Welcome to another episode of Cinema Soft Underbelly. I'm your host, Eugene Weaver. And if you're tuning in, then you know by now I touch on all things horror, exploitation, gems in the rough, movies that should be discovered, movies that aren't that good but still need to be watched, movies with uh, checkered, interesting histories, and uh, all sorts of things related to horror and the fantasy realm. Today's episode, uh, I'm going to be focusing on Netflix. And the reason being is this seems to be the way that uh, a lot of people nowadays are getting their movie fix is through Netflix. As the physical media format just seems to be drying up more and more. I'm still a huge fan of Blu-ray DVDs only if that is the only way to watch the movie. Uh, But otherwise, I have abandoned the DVD format. Uh, several years ago already. Blu-ray, however, is still top dog in my opinion. I think that Blu-ray is still the best way to get uh, the highest level audio, highest level video, um, highest level 3D, all that good stuff. And plus, I'm a collector myself, so I am I enjoy uh, really well done cover art and all the bonus features that come along with it. Uh, and you know, we're dealing with dual layer Blu-rays which can fit 50 gigabytes of of information on versus the highly compressed stuff that you'll find on Netflix and Amazon streaming, uh, Vudu and all those all those different online sources of getting movies. Another thing that I like about Blu-ray is uh, depending on the premium the premium company releasing the Blu-ray such as Criterion, UK's Arrow, uh, Scream Factory over here in the United States if you find certain companies like that, usually the packaging is high, high class. We've got booklets with you know, essays in, in the booklets, tons of special features, alternate cuts of the movie, and I love that. Steel cases, uh, they're, they're just very collectible. And I think that's the route anymore it seems like uh, some of the companies are going for is collectability. More and more niche titles are coming out now. And those titles are getting very limited releases by these companies. Scorpion is doing one. Um, Scorpion has Scorpion. They've actually got some really good movies on their label. Uh, but there's even Arrow's doing it. What I like is that they're releasing these movies that never, never you'd expect would see the light of day on Blu-ray, uh, and they're coming out in like limited quantities of, of uh, I don't know, like. A thousand or fifteen hundred or something like that, so uh, makes them highly collectible. And down the road, especially this type of movie, I have a feeling it's going to take a long time for them to find a home on the streaming services, especially in the quality that they're being released on Blu-ray because they're getting remastered and all that good stuff. So, uh, anyway, but that's enough about the Blu-ray format. Again, I'm a I'm a huge fan of Blu-ray. Uh, that's my go-to format for watching movies. However, I understand where Netflix fits in, and for the money, it is the best bang for the buck. It's a great way to even just to test out movies, and you can usually tell fairly quickly if it's going to be a hit or a miss, and with minimal dollars invested. All it takes is a couple gems, 
per month and it's it's paid for and I, I think that's great. So I'm going to dive right on in here and um, I have a ton of stuff to go over and that's why this episode is called Netflix Games Part 1 because I am positive I'm not going to be able to near cover everything that I would like to cover in the roughly half hour time frame that I'm trying to keep these shows at. Uh, so just a little backstory on Netflix. Obviously, you know, Netflix uh, originally started as DVDs being sent through the mail and now it's it's mainly streaming. Um, slowly but surely, they've added to their library to where it's now this mammoth collection of movies that's ever-changing. It seems like every week there's movies that are being taken off and movies that are being put on. And that's another reason why I like physical media still is that you own that. And it's not going to go away unless you sell it. There's numerous times I've seen a really good Netflix movie that is uh, maybe available on DV but not available on Blu-ray and all of a sudden it's gone. Uh, and so, well, there goes my HD quality movie that I enjoyed and I may I may want to watch in the next couple months. Uh, now I, the only way I can watch it is is finding a cheap used DVD copy and I don't buy DVDs anymore. So um, anyway, it's ever changing. Uh, one thing that I wanted to mention about about Netflix uh, and because here's what I think with, that Netflix really is right now. Netflix today is what walking through a video store was 15 plus years ago, even more. I'm back in the VHS days and even the DVD days to a certain extent. But back when when you'd go into the mom and pop VHS stores and you'd just walk up and down the aisles and you'd just see a cover and think, okay, that looks good. I'm going to rent that. I'm going to rent that for, for 24 hours, a 24-hour rental. Uh, I've never heard of the movie because the internet wasn't, I mean, we're talking a long time ago, internet wasn't around or it was just starting. And so that was how you got your movies. You, If you're a horror fan like myself, you got Fangoria magazine, and that's kind of where you got most of your information on horror movies. And then you just took chances when these things came out. Well, the same kind of applies for Netflix now is that you just scroll through the many, many lists of of uh horror movies, or whatever genre you're interested in, obviously. But being as we're, this is a horror show, we're going to be focusing on horror movies. Um, so there's just a ton, a ton of horror movies, a lot of which are fairly new. They have some older ones. Uh, personally, if I, have my, if I would have a choice, I would rather watch the older ones on Blu-ray because they're going to have been better taken care of as far as a restoration process goes and remastering and all that stuff. A lot of the times what you'll see on Netflix has not been remastered properly. It still looks good. And again, for the money, it's great. But there are certain movies that I would rather, if I'm a big fan of it, I would rather own that on Blu-ray if it's an older movie. Now the new stuff though, uh, that that's being shot in the last, I mean, I'm going to say like five years. But especially now, like 2012 and 13, the cameras are so good. The cameras are so high-end for the money that uh, that you can take a crappy movie and it can look it can look like a gem. Doesn't mean it's good, but it looks good. Um, so what a lot of these people I think are doing is they're going and you can go rent a a red 4K video camera or a black magic or even a 1080p HD camera 
for a weekend or heck you can spend a couple grand and get a really really good video camera or uh, something like that some fairly professional audio for not much money uh, and home editing systems nowadays are so good that you can pretty much make a movie for 10 to 50 to a hundred thousand dollars and more than likely you can have that thing plop onto Netflix that's where the good and the bad uh, have to be determined because there's probably more junk than not probably there is more junk than there is gems just because a cover may, might look good does not obviously mean it is good and that's going back to the VHS days walking through the video store just seeing a cool cover and hoping "Ooh, I, I hope this is good well the same thing applies for Netflix but now you can do a little bit of research and that's also what I wanted to, to hit on is obviously if you don't like the movie you can turn it off after five ten minutes but what I usually like to do is I don't even like to give it that much time usually I will try to I'll see a cool title and I'll be like okay a real quick search on IMDB after I read a couple reviews on Netflix from people posting on Netflix will usually give me the answer that I'm looking for if there's more bad than good it's like you know what I don't even bother or if it's if it's, you know, that cover and that premise sounds good enough, even with a couple of negative reviews, I should at least give it a chance. I do. So I always say, do your, do your research before you start a movie. Even if it's, even if you just watch the movie for a couple of minutes, that's fine. But, um, you know, time is precious. Time is valuable. And I don't like to waste time on junk. Although I say that yet I watch the weirdest stuff, um, but sometimes it's it all it takes is those you know you're looking for those gems in the rough and uh, and I have a bunch of gems in the rough that I am going to touch on today. Another thing worthy of mention on Netflix and they've gotten better with this, but it's still something to keep in mind is when you are watching a movie, especially an older movie, it seems that some of the older ones, if there were a couple different versions of that of that particular movie released on like back in the day on VHS or DVD. It seems like Netflix gets the R-rated version versus the unrated version. And that, to me, is a huge no-no. Uh, the only newish release that I can think of off the top of my head that, that got the R-rated cut versus the unrated was VHS Part 2. And uh, there's almost nothing changed, but there's, there's enough stuff that they cut out that I personally, I, I hate censorship. I hate censor censorship like that. I would say, and the movie is so good itself, go buy the Blu-ray. Uh, it's worth it, trust me. And it's worth supporting that movie on Blu-ray. But for the most part, the stuff that you'll find that, that's heavily edited uh, are the older movies from from the 80s. Toxic Avenger series, Reanimator, uh, Hellraiser Part 2, which is by far the most graphic one of that entire series. Uh, those are just some examples of of movies that are are cut and all of those I, I wouldn't even consider watching in their R-rated forms at all. So make sure, especially if you're watching an older one, if there are several different versions of it, I don't even mess with R-rated stuff if there's an unrated version out there. In fact, I would rather watch a, a DVD uh, of the unrated cut versus a better resolution uh, streaming one that's, that's edited. So um, anyway... Just because it's a cool cover doesn't mean it's uh, mean it's good. Obviously, sometimes sometimes a lame cover and even a lame title can produce a gem in the rough. And I'm actually going to hit on a couple of those today if I can. 
Um, so on top of Netflix, there are other streaming services out there that are worth a look that have certain movies that Netflix does not. I'm going to mainly focus on Netflix, but Amazon, I'm a, I'm an Amazon prime member. So, uh, every now and then I'll, I'll go through Amazon prime. And a lot of times Amazon prime has very similar movies to Netflix, like the same, the same movies, but every now and then you'll find one that that Netflix does not have. A prime example of that is the movie Cheap Thrills, which came out about a year or so ago. And uh, it's uh, like the the older movie from Christian, that Kristen Slater starred in, uh, Very Bad Things. Um, but it's way better. And it's just, it's insane and it's great. And it was a gem in the rough. I'm so glad I watched it. Um, but otherwise, a lot of similar stuff on there. So what I'm going to do is I have three categories here. I've got um, the bad category, I've got the good category, and I've got the not sure, but too probably too good to be true category. Because again, it just seems like a lot of them are just too good to be true, especially when you see a cool cover, the year it was made, which is, you know, 2012, 2013, and actors you've never heard of, a director you've never heard of, eh, red flags all over that. But again, do your research. There's always those gems in the rough. And I watched a true gem in the rough last night, which is the reason I'm doing this show. I thought, you know, that is such a good movie. That was so good. I could have seen that be- getting a theatrical release and I I had heard nothing of it. I I I uh, I cruise through the Fangoria magazine whenever I see one on the newsstand. Um I do my I have my horror sites that I visit to read reviews. I had never heard of this movie. And that's going to be the first one I touch on in the good. But I'm going to start with the bad. Because those are always the the most fun. Um, I'm going to try and focus mainly on movies that came out in the last five years or so. There might be a couple in there that are older than that. But for the most part, it'll give you an idea of what to look for. Um, high, you know, High-end HD production value, but no-name actors. A director who's never done anything else before. Which... I'm not dogging directors that haven't done anything. You have to start somewhere. But there's plenty of first-time directors that have made top-quality, low-budget horror. Ty West comes to mind immediately. His first movie was The Roost, and it was made with not much money at all. And that movie was fantastic. Uh, Eli Roth is another great example. He had a lot more money for his first movie, Cabin Fever. But I love Cabin Fever. Anyway, there's... Uh, that's that's rabbit trailing there. I want to focus on Netflix movies. So I'm going to start right now with um, two new releases that just came out on Netflix. Finished up the one this morning, and I watched, the, which was the bad one, and watched the good one last night. I'm going to hit on both of those first, and then I might. I'm just going to kind of skip around here. Um, the movie that I watched, uh, that I finished up this morning, the bad was called Mine Games, and. If there's not a whole lot of, if there's not name actors or director hasn't done much, I'm not even going to mention them. I'm just going to brief plot synopsis and why I hated it. I hated this movie. Hated it. Take the excellent, fantastic movie Triangle that came out maybe four years ago. It's time loop type thing. It's very Twilight Zone. He's set on a cruise ship uh, where people are bumping into themselves. And it, it's great. It's fantastic. This is basically that premise set in an abandoned mine and a house nearby, except it sucks. It sucks horribly. Again, high production values. 
the the cameras that they used were obviously very very good cameras. Um, the uh, the editing was fine, uh, but the the actors were they were no name, not good actors. Um, there was you know a, a little bit of bloodshed, okay, that whatever. But I hated every single character in the movie. None of none of it really made that much sense. Um, nothing really happened up to the 45 minute mark. And then when things did start to happen, it's like, Oh, this is just grating and boring and slow. And then when it was wrapped up, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know what I just watched, uh, but other than some sort of time loop, but the script was, the writing was bad. The acting was bad. Um, again, just because you have good cameras and a nice home editing program doesn't mean you need to make a movie. Uh, so it's a dog. Trust me. And it's, again, it's another one that you look at the cover and you're like, ooh, that looks cool, but nah, no. Um, on the flip side of that is a movie that I watched last night, Scared Me Silly, and I am a jaded horror fan. It takes a lot to scare me. And this movie did it in spades. And now, I know that the found footage, the found footage subgenre has been done to death. However, it's almost made... Um, the filmmakers out there work harder to do something unique and different and and not just another generic Blair Witch Project knockoff. Um, so they're continually continually trying to find new and inventive ways to do the found footage thing, and I think that's great. There is some... Some of my favorite scary movies of the last 10 years are found footage movies. Uh, the Bay is one of them, obviously, Blair Witch Project. Uh, there's another one that I'm going to be hitting on here. I'm not sure if I can get to it in this episode, but there's another one from Rennie Harlan, of all people. He did a really good found footage movie. Um, Frankenstein's Army is probably about... That's one of the best found footage movies ever. Uh, but I'm going to focus on this movie right now. And that is... It just came out yesterday, I believe, on Netflix. And it's called The Taking of Deborah Logan. Watch this movie, please. It is so scary. Uh, it's so well done. It's so well acted. It's so crazy. And it's it fits Halloween perfect. Now, if you're going to watch it, watch it now. Halloween is right around the corner. And I'm always jonesing, jonesing for a really good, scary movie. That one fits the bill. Um, it's slow burn. It kind of is a cross between the very, very good and very underrated Mungo Lake which is not really a found footage movie, more of a documentary type thing. This has some of that going on, crossed with found footage, has a little bit of the last exorcism feel going on in it, a little bit, but um, the less I say, the better. Watch the movie. It's so scary. Honestly, my only real big complaint about the movie is, and this is what happens in so many of, not just found footage movies, but horror movies in general, is... People go into a scary place and they don't turn on the lights. I get it. I understand. Now you've made so that it's not scary. But it it pulls me out of the movie some when they do that because it's like, well, okay, yeah, of course it's scary. You're walking around a scary place with flashlights. Uh, you're walking around a, a deserted uh, hospital corridor with flashlights. Turn on the lights. I, problem solved. It's not near as scary. But I understand. It moves the plot forward. Um that's really one of the only gripes that I had with, with Deborah Logan was turn on the lights already. Other than that, my goodness, was that thing scary. Uh, and I don't, I don't just say that about any movie. It takes quite a bit to really 
to really get me. That's one of them. Uh, it was produced by Brian Singer of X-Men. However, the actors you've never seen before, I've never heard of the director, although he has been working on other stuff, I don't think that he's actually directed a feature-length movie, to my knowledge. But um, And I don't have the IMDb pulled up right now. I just have my long list of movies here. Uh, but super scary, super well done. The special effects are, are minimal, and they're so good and creepy. I would pick this over any of the uh, Paranormal Activity movies any day. Um, oh, man. just I shudder thinking about some of the stuff that I saw in that movie. Huge thumbs up. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump down to the not sure, but too good, but probably too good to be true because there's so many that I have not seen on Netflix that the cover looks good, but I pass it by because I'm like, yeah, I bet it sucks. But for every one of those that I bet it sucks, you, you get one of those taking of Deborah Logan's, um, one that the one that I saw that the cover looks just too good to be true. And that's called blood Lake. And it's a fairly new movie and it's some, some college-ish looking girl with a huge mouth with fangs coming out and white eyes or something like that. And uh, I'm like, oh, that just looks too good to be true. Probably is. That's that type of movie. And I've got a long list of those. Uh, however, I will do a little bit more research on those because all it takes is, you know, just a gem in the rough right there. And then I'm, I'm, I'm in. Um, so jumping back to The Bad. Um, uh, let's see here. Okay, I'm going to go with one from an actual somewhat name director. Uh, and that is Lucky McGee. And I've already discussed this movie on my sister show, Movie Freaks. And that's All Cheerleaders Die. It was horrible. Everything that I hate about horror movies nowadays. Bad CGI, overacting, uh comedy that was fresh and original back when Scream came out, um, actors that I hate, uh, but technically well-made. It has a, you know, obviously they used high-end equipment. The editing was fine. The lighting was fine, I guess, whatever. But the storyline was lame. Um, and it's another one of those where I, I watched it maybe a month ago and I couldn't tell you a whole lot about it. Something about the cheerleaders get killed and they come back with some gemstones and I think are, ki are killing the, the football players that killed them. Um, and it was lame and, oh, geez. Anyway. Um, but you know, great title. All cheerleaders die. The cover is cool. Cause you know, cheerleader. Then I'm like, Ooh, what's this? And lucky McGee. I'm like, okay, well, I'll bring it down a notch. And then I watched it. And I actually suffered through the whole thing of that one just because I was hoping for, that it would get better. And it didn't. Um, the Good. Jumping back to The Good. I'm going to actually do a couple of The Good right now because um, uh, one of these we discussed in great detail on both Movie Freaks as well as Cinema Sidekicks. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it here. But that movie is House of the Devil. Uh, and that movie um, was made by Ty West, one of my favorite working directors right now. He can take a budget and stretch it to the limit and make a truly fantastic, scary movie. His latest, The Sacrament, which is also on this list, um, is one of my favorite horror movies of the last several years. And Same with The House of the Devil. They're so good. So, so, so good. Um, House of the Devil is slow burn. Got that early 80s feel. 
Uh, everything about it works perfectly, perfectly to the crazy ending. I love that movie. That is a gem in the rough. Watch it as soon as you can. Uh, and if you like it, then I urge you highly to watch The Sacrament, which is every bit as good, if not even better. Uh, just the impending sense of doom in The Sacrament is, is, is oh boy, it's, it's, I, it was literally hard for me to watch and it was so good. Uh, but you know, it's the whole, the Jonestown suicide deal done in modern, in a modern take kind of found footage. They're making this, this show for a, for a, a TV show, uh, and all sorts of crazy stuff happens and it's so good. It's not quite as horror as a lot of the other movies, but it's still such a great watch. So, so good. Um, back up to the bad. Um, I'm going to hit on, uh, a movie called The Monkey's Paw. Novel idea, been done before. It's the whole you get certain wishes, and uh, no matter what you wish for, bad things happen because of that. It's a great premise, and uh, the I, I know that I've watched one of those old British anthology movies, the Tales from the Crypt type movies, and they it, one of them was that type of story, and it worked very very well. Here, it doesn't work at all. Uh, it was. I don't actually. I didn't even finish the whole thing. I thought it was terrible. Um, the reason that I'm bringing that movie up is again, it's got obviously got a cool cover, cool premise. That movie was picked up by Scream Factory, which really, really surprises me. Usually, Scream Factory focuses on older B horror movies, but they have started to release newer release stuff, and I'm I'm really and I've seen some of them, and they're they're fairly decent. That one there, though, I'm very, very surprised that they saw fit to put their stamp on that movie and release it on Blu-ray, because that's that was a chore, even from from the half of it that I watched, that was a chore to get through. Uh, so, that is a complete and total miss, even though the storyline is good, it's just done incompetently. Uh, didn't like any of the actors. Every All the actors felt like they were quote-unquote acting, and the script was yeah, anyway, moving on. I don't want to waste any more time on that, but skip it. Um, I'm going to hit on another Too Good to Be True. Um, there's a lot of of zombie movies on Netflix because zombies are all the, the rave right now because of The Walking Dead. Um, and some of these might not even be zombie movies, obviously, a couple of them are because zombie is in the title, but one is called State of Emergency, and I'm pretty sure it's a zombie movie. Cover looks cool. It might be good. But I've just, I've noticed more times than not these brand new release movies that just pop up on Netflix that feature zombies are generally not good. Uh, and I've watched one or two of them and they're not good at all. Um, I would take a low-budget Italian zombie splatter movie from 1980 over any of these overshot 2013 release movies with maybe $50,000 budget um, borrowing someone's high-def camera for the weekend and having fake CGI. That's another thing that I hate is fake CGI blood and gore. Uh, and Sci-Fi Channel and Asylum are notorious for doing it. And a lot of these movies more than likely are from those companies. But it's just the fake, the fake gore. I get it. I know you're trying to cut corners, but we're horror fans. We can see that and we don't like that. I can't imagine anybody saying, oh, I would much rather see CGI blood and gore over prosthetics and, you know, real craft 
real craftsmanship that goes into making that stuff. It just it's not there. Um, and so I can always appreciate a, a, even a low budget movie that comes out in more recent times that actually takes the time to use real effects, real in-camera stuff instead of that silly PlayStation 1 era CGI junk. It's It doesn't work. Trust me. Um, so state of the emergency, hey, I, it might be good. It might, but I doubt it. <laughs> um I only have, I'm almost, I'm bumping up against the half hour mark. I only have time for uh, a couple more. So I want to hit on uh, another good one. And that's, this is the last one that I'm going to hit on for, for this episode for the good ones. And that is a movie called Omnivores. I believe it was a Spanish production. Total gem in the rough. Complete gem in the rough. Again, the title uh, and even the cover, I'm like, yeah, probably too good to be true. Oh, running time, 75 minutes. Ouch. Then I read a couple reviews and I'm like, Okay, all right. The reviews are pretty decent on this thing. Give it a shot. Big thumbs up. I think I gave that four out of five stars. It is uh, really gross, and it's not an easy sit-through, and it's one that the less you know, the better. It's not scary, but it's more of the... I hate to use the, the term torture porn. I hate that term. I hate it. But it is more of the torture type stuff, uh, but... It's just it's the storyline is very unique and very interesting and you're you're wanting to see where is this crazy thing gonna go, and I don't want to give a whole lot of it away, but let's just say that um, oh boy, I don't even know how to how to promote that movie other than food critic goes to different to different establishment and bad things happen, and that's about all I'm gonna say about that movie, chock full of gruesomeness and there is tons of nudity in that thing so be be aware of that too uh if you're a fan or if you're not whatever i'm just throwing that out there but that is a gem in the rough uh, highly recommend that movie uh one more of the bad um and uh, there's so many i'm gonna hit on a uk a movie that i believe was produced in the uk that's called patrick lives and that's a remake of an already crappy movie from Australia. Maybe, you know what, maybe this Patrick Lives was in Australia. I'm not sure where it was made. I don't care, actually. The original was an Australian movie. Comatose guy is uh, in this hospital, and there is some uh, telepathic powers going on, and he spits on people, and he causes bad things to happen to people. And a nurse, he falls in love with a nurse, and this guy's comatose on you know on a bed. And it might sound kind of unique for a horror movie. Trust me, it's not. It's bad. The original was a mind-numbing two-hour bore fest, and the remake is not a whole lot better. It's mercifully shorter and has higher production values, but if that story should work, but it doesn't. It's just you're the bad guy is laying in bed. The bad guy is comatose laying in bed. So there you go. Um, I just, I didn't care at all. And it was a chore to get through and skip that one. Uh, premise sounds good. Cover looks good. It's just another one of those glossy, high production value, low quality movies. That's it for the bad. That's it for the good. I'll hit on one more. Not sure, but probably too good to be true. Um, I'm going to hit on, uh, one called, uh, Citadel. Now that one there gets some good reviews and the, the premise sounds good and I'm not going to, I'm already past my time, but uh, it seems like a, it seems like a zombie movie, but I don't think it is. I think it's, it's 
aspiring to be more than a zombie movie. Uh, so, and I don't believe that's a, a movie that was shot here in the States. I'm not, sh but I'm not hundred percent sure. I don't have the information pulled up on my screen, but, um, it did get some good reviews. It does sound interesting. It looks interesting, but again, you, you just never know. So, um, who knows? Maybe by, uh, by the next show, I may have watched that one, um, as well as state of emergency. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. But anyway, that's going to wrap it up for me today. Um, I do appreciate you listening. Please make sure that you check us out over at uh, Movie Freaks. It's MF Pod over on YouTube, as well as our friends over at Cinema Sidekicks. We all love movies. We all love talking about movies. Everything about movies just excites us. Um, you can get a hold of me at Eugene-Weaver at Hotmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Give me some suggestions, things that you would like me to watch and comment on things that you think that I should avoid like the plague. Um, uh, next episode, who knows where we're going to go. It's it's always an adventure. Um, but rest assured, I am going to be hitting on, on the Netflix game again. It's not done yet, trust me. So I'm Eugene Weaver. Until next time, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.